this is as real as it gets. This is Nash Gruner, the son of Olivia Gruner, and you are listening to the UCW radio show in your face. The number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number. You're listening to UCW radio in your face. Give it to me, baby. All right, welcome back to the UCW Radio Show, and uh, we have another great guest lined up for today. Uh, Before we bring him on, I want to remind all our listeners uh, to make sure you go to UCW Magazine and UCW Radio to hear the latest uh, segments, uh, latest shows that we have. Plus, you want to check out Money Never Sleeps and also uh, the uh, soon-to-becoming fifth Fit for Life series uh, that's going to be not only a radio show but also a web series so keep an eye out for that and uh, just to make you aware uh, as you know the, the last show we did we tried using Periscope to do a live uh, broadcast you know, so we can do a Q&A with our guest uh, that's when we had Nina Bergman on uh, we're trying to. We're going to try it again today and see how it works we're trying to uh, to, to figure this out Okay, so uh, just bear with us. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, then we're gonna we'll try again. Uh, yeah, we'll try it until we get it right. Uh, but uh, again, you know, I mean, we're we're trying to incorporate new technology so that we can connect uh, globally as we need to in in this day and age. All right, so bear with us. Uh, and and if, again, if it doesn't work out, and if you only hear me this time, as you did uh, with with Nina Bergman's show, I apologize for uh, for that. Uh, but until we kind of you know, get through this and knock out the kinks, this is these are the growing pains that we're that we're going to endure. So I'll just have another black eye. And that's the way it is. Okay. But anyway, uh, what what uh, what I want to do is not speak too much right now because we have uh, really a fantastic speaker uh, that we're going to be bringing on. He was Mr. America. He is, he, he was like a really, really big to do in the world of bodybuilding. And then still is, he's, he's very extremely relevant. All right. So without further ado, let's bring on former Miss America and uh, an international speaker and author of a best-selling book, Tom Twilliger. Let's bring Tom on the show. Tom, welcome to the UCW Radio Show. How you doing, buddy? I'm terrific, man. And listen, I got to tell you, I've been so looking forward to this interview. The last time we spoke, uh, you were such a, a, an intuitive interview. I mean, you just you just brought so much energy, and I I've really been looking forward to this. And so, thank you. I'm doing terrific, and I'm I can't wait to share some things with the with the listeners. Well, thank you for for the kind words. Last time we brought you on, and we brought you on to our other show, Money Never Sleeps, because we were trying to tackle other issues. Today is the Tom Show. Today is the Tom Tewilliger Show, <laughs> da, 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 and it's all about you. Okay, it's all about you because I want you know because you you have a lot of listeners out there that are heavily involved in you know bodybuilding. Uh, you know they know who, what, where, why. They know people's shoe sizes. I don't know, you know. And with you, you've been you were there. You were involved in bodybuilding during the heyday. Okay, and you've done a lot of things beyond that. So I think the best thing the best thing for us to do so that. You know the uh, the fitness buffs, the bodybuilding buffs, and the people that are looking for motivation is for us to start at the beginning 
uh, with you. Uh, how did you get involved in bodybuilding? Well, you know, the first thing, you know, when you talk about the heyday, you know, I, and, and you could say that I definitely was involved in the heyday because it was the, uh, it was the, hey, what the hell are you doing days? I mean, it was the early days of bodybuilding. Certainly, I was not one of the pioneers by any means. I was inspired by the many pioneers that came long before me, the John Grimmicks, the Frank Zane, certainly the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, and the Steve Reeves, certainly, you know, who in bodybuilding, at least from my era, my generation, uh, wasn't inspired by Steve Reeves and the Hercules movies. I mean, this is the guy. I mean, we all wanted to look like that. Unfortunately, I never quite obtained the good, you know, the Hollywood good look to the Steve Reeves, but at least I strived for the physique. So um, not one of the pioneers, certainly, but I do like to believe, and I think there are a lot of bodybuilding fans out there today, a lot of guys who at least experienced the sport in the 80s and the 90s who would, who would definitely agree that, that it was perhaps the best generation of bodybuilding. There was a camaraderie. There was a, there, there was a, there was a brotherhood that took place at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even some of the gyms, uh, and you know this, Louis, that many of the gyms that we had in those days, for example, the gym that I first started really training seriously at was a place called Future Man Gym in Amityville, Long Island, you know, where the, where the Amityville horror took place, not a block away from that house was Future Man Gym, and it was hardcore. It was old, normal equipment, because at the time it wasn't that old, because it was fairly new stuff, but old stuff that was made in the garage. I mean, just some ragtag stuff that Dan Lloyd made, a few weeder pieces, some rusty barbells, and it, but it was, it was also the mecca at that time in Long Island, in New York, and uh, you can't find those kind of gyms anymore. They're few and far between. There's one or two in California. There's Strong and Shapely in New Jersey. There's Ombros here in Colorado. But they're few and far between. And there was a camaraderie, a brotherhood, an experimentation, a support system. Something was going on in the 80s that created tremendous energy around the whole bodybuilding physique culture uh, that I am so not only, you know, thrilled to have had an experience with and been part of, uh, but honored to be part of it as well. Because things have changed a little bit, whether for the better or for the worse. I don't know. That's for somebody else to say because I'm not necessarily involved in the sport today as I was then. Um, but it was really, it was indeed the, hey, what the, you know, hey, what the heck are you doing days? And I'm, I'm thrilled to have been part of that. It was a great generation, a great era. No well, question about it. You made a couple of good points, Tom, you know, because back then, you know, yeah, Arnold and, and, and a lot of uh, the, you know, the legends, they paved the way. However, when you, when you talk about, the um, I, I guess the real push to mainstream that that's when you know like you said the 80s and 90s that's when all the magazines were out that's when you had more bodybuilders doing different things that's when you even had bodybuilders you know going into the WWE this and that and all this stuff was transpiring but you know having that 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 brotherhood within you know the bodybuilding system was was, was extremely evident back then because you can go to a gym, and again, a hardcore gym, and most gyms, you know, you, you mentioned Dan Laurie. I remember Dan Laurie had his place, I think, in Five Towns. You know, he had that. That's right, he, that's right. Yeah, he can go buy the stuff, you know. So when you, ha- you had that type of environment, a lot of places now you don't. You don't. To, to no. find that hardcore no. environment, to have what was what was back then is, is hard. You know, that's why. I mean, there, 
Go ahead. There were, there were times, and you know this, coming from fishing from the East Coast, and I understand you're experiencing some pretty hot weather out there right about now. Oh, man, I was, was melting today. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, and I can remember distinctly, I mean, there were no gyms back then with air conditioners. There, there might have been, you know, the old jack o' lanes yeah. and, the, you know, the holiday, the holiday spas, whatever they were called, mm-hmm. may have had some air conditioning. But Do you the remember Zins? Trained out. Do you remember Zins? Oh, absolutely. Remember they absolutely. had the hole in the wall with the fan? Yes, like let some let some air in for God's sake. But I remember very specifically training at Future Man Gym. I mean, everybody's training. It was Tony Pandolfo, Joe Palumbo, Steve Mahalik would train there in his early days. Several others, Uh, Lou Ferrigno would come out on a regular basis and train there. Uh, I remember guys would literally, and you couldn't get away with this today because it's way too offensive, and it was offensive then. But guys would train in the same basic. Tank top, endor, you know, the whole gray sweatsuit thing. You know what I mean? The gray sweatshirt, the gray sweatpants, an old pair of Converse. And they were training those things, sweat bullets, because it's roasting in July and August in New York. And then hang that stuff in the locker, leave it to dry, put it back on the next day, and wear it again. And they would do that for literally weeks in a row. Now, I know that does nothing to glamorize the sport of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was part of that culture. The more ragtag you looked, the more beat up you looked, the more you kind of like, you smelt like the real deal, the more seriously people took you, And uh, at least in those gyms. Now, I do want to go back for a second because there's something I wanted, to, I wanted to credit that I think I didn't when we talked about those 80s and the 90s as, as, as part of the heyday. And I think a, a large part of that, and this is where I was so fortunate to have just come, really come into uh, the bodybuilding community, the world there on a much more serious level um, at that time, was the movie Pumping Iron. And certainly, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger bringing bodybuilding along with the producers, George, George Butler and, and, and Gaines, to the mainstream media. If for nothing else, to uh, create more curiosity, to eliminate some ignorance, and to, and to create a, whether he was an antagonistic hero or not, a hero in that sport that brought it to light. And I think a lot of young guys like myself began bodybuilding as a result of being inspired. It wasn't the movie specifically that inspired me. It was, it was er- slightly earlier. I mean, it may have been a year earlier seeing Schwarzenegger on the cover of magazines, photos taken by the long-since-passed-away Artie Zeller, um, the black and whites of Venice Beach and dreaming of what that must have been like and having a physique like that. Uh, but it was indeed pumping iron that created that generation in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s that became that heyday, that, that era that we talked about. So a lot of credit has to go to that that movie and Schwarzenegger and certainly the producers of that uh, in terms of creating that. I, I, I agree with you because, look, I remember going to, uh, you know, going, you're in New York, you're, you're involved in bodybuilding, you're training, you get excited, and you're actually, you know, you start connecting and making friends. I mean, these are friendships, mm-hmm. you know, these are friendships different than you have you know, today at the gym, you know, I mean, yeah. I remember those friendships because they were really, really strong. You go and you, you kind of connect with people. But then you, if you're on the East Coast, you're thinking, you know what? You, you want to train hard. So you, where do you want to go? You want to go to Muscle Beach. You want to yeah. go over there. And I remember going there in the late 80s and, and early 90s, just going there. Well, more, more so the late 80s, going there. And you saw everybody there. Everybody. Oh, yeah. 
Everybody oh, yeah. was at Gold. I mean, I, I went. I remember going to World's Gym and I saw Joe Gold and Eddie was there, and then the whole. Then it was just an an era that will never be remade because it's, it's no, it won't. Yeah. There's no question about it. I mean, you can't go to Gold's Gym or Muscle Beach today. Muscle Beach is gone. I, I was, you know, it was interesting. I was walking down the, the boardwalk in Venice. Uh, about a year or so ago, and they literally had a sign because I was looking for it. Right. And instead, there was a sign that said that the past home or something of Muscle Beach. It was like a, a commemorative sign, but that was it. Yeah. Everything is gone. There's some swings, some rings, some things you can do calisthenically, but uh, the actual Muscle Beach is long since gone. I guess it wasn't really well supported after a while. Mm-hmm. So you're right. That's a that's a time long since gone. And here here was my experience. It was interesting though because. Because when I ultimately made it, because obviously, you know, we all, uh, anyone bodybuilding in those days with any level of seriousness, and it didn't, and when I say seriousness, it doesn't necessarily mean you were aspiring to compete or be a Mr. Olympia, but serious that you were in those gyms, those hardcore gyms, you were creating that camaraderie, you were pushing, you were striving, you were encouraging, you were motivating others as well as being motivated. That's the kind of serious I'm talking about. So anyone who was familiar with that level, um, wanted to go and experience Venice Beach. We wanted to do it. And like you said, before you even started that sentence, you said, if you wanted to train hard, if you wanted to be the best, you had to get to Venice Beach. And here was my experience. It was interesting. Because being from New York, and you know this as well, that the guys in New York, when guys were at least then, now it's changed today, obviously, but, but the guys back then training in those hardcore gyms like Future Man, RJ Studio, some of the ones that you mentioned earlier, um, they, we didn't smile. We didn't play around. We didn't joke. We didn't kid around. We were freaking deadly serious. I mean, when you were on that leg press, man, you were freaking deadly serious. You might have cracked a smile. You might have patted somebody in the back. There was definitely that camaraderie. But it was around the battle, yeah. the adventure. And you were deadly serious. When I got to California, I could not believe the difference in the culture. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I meet guys like Mike Christian. I never saw Arnold train there, but all these guys that were my contemporaries, training, laughing, giggling, having fun, taking pauses between sets mm-hmm. to chat with someone. I mean, it was like a whole different thing. Now, they trained hard, no question yeah. about it. The entire environment was conducive to growth, but it was a totally different experience psychologically uh, than it was in New York. Totally different. It was really interesting. The, the 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 two bodybuilders. I remember when I was you know when I went to uh, to train in Venice Beach. I remember uh, the two bodybuilders that had that hardcore cross the board, no joking around attitude with the mental mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, well, absolutely, they, absolutely. They, 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 they scared me. Mike Mike yeah. scared me, but you know what? He taught me a lot. <laughs> oh. You know, you're, you're so fortunate to have had that experience. I only met Mike once, and it was uh, early on. Uh, he was competing in Night of the Champions, and I and I met him that night. And uh, I think it was Night of the Champions at the time. It wasn't the New York Pro or anything like that. But I had a chance to meet Mike. And, of course, I was a big fan. I was a little younger, um, certainly, than he was just getting started. But it was a thrill to meet the guy. And he was all, I remember I remember his forearms. His forearms blew me away. I mean, I, I it was like, holy crap. He had this, like, semi-long sleeve. It was a shirt that came down, you know, to his elbows. And the forearm sticking out of the thing was just mind-blowing. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And uh, so, that, again, little things like that that ultimately inspired. But, you know, when I talk about the difference that, that, that diametrically opposed different philosophy between East Coast and West Coast was, was again, dependent 
depicted in many respects in the movie Pumping Iron when you saw Lou Ferrigno. I mean, he was deadly serious, you know? And then you had Arnold Schwarzenegger laying on the beach and chatting away with his bros, having some fun, and, and Lou was, you know, just like, hey, he was in the trenches, man. So it was, it, it was well depicted in that, and that really was the experience. Yeah, but that's the way it was back then, which is which is really interesting because now, you know, uh, so many people, and you see you see it all over the place. Everybody wants to be fit, women, kids, this, that. You got the dog working out, you know. Uh, and it's good because it became, it became a lifestyle. But yeah. I mean, I, I see. I love interacting with uh, with with people like yourself, Tom. That that were there back then. That experienced some of this stuff because you know you'll never get those experiences ever. Ever, yeah. ever again. Yeah. You know, you you have guys so. now that say, "Well, I'm going to go." I met Phil Heath. Okay, well, happy for you. But uh, if you were around when 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 I when I was actually younger and I was doing this stuff, you would have met that and twenty more, and you would have been forget about. It. You would have been, you know, uh, yeah. probably passed out out of excitement. <laughs> oh, it was mind blowing. It was mind blowing to go out to Venice Beach. I mean, it was just like, man, you could sit back. It was a show in itself. I remember. Uh, the, uh, Gold's Gym, uh, and that this was after this after Joe the original Gold's Gym. This is when Joe right. Gold sold Joe, it, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this was, you know, that small place that Schwarzenegger and, and Franco and all those guys trained. Um, it was a bigger, it was the bigger one. It had moved, it had a balcony where the cardiovascular equipment was, but it was still the Mecca, without question. And I remember sitting up on the bicycle up, up uh, on the balcony, which I rarely did. I almost never did the bicycle. But I was up there, you know, on the stationary bike, just watching downstairs and seeing who was coming and going. And it was unbelievable. It was literally it was like a who's who. Yeah. But not only bodybuilding, but celebrities. Yeah. I mean, just so many celebrities would come and go from that place and, uh, and train because they were inspired as well. It was, it was the place to do it. Now, that's not to, that's not to um, by the way, to, uh, to put down or, or belittle what, what the experience is today because, uh, you know, the experience today, although different, you know, for bodybuilders and physique competitors, male and female physique competitors, uh, it's so different than what it was back then, but it is what it is. And I'm sure if I were 22, 25, 27 years old competing today, uh, the experience, although different and not comparable, uh, it has to be, you know, one that I think will also go down in the history books because those physique competitors outside bodybuilding, by the way, those physique competitors, these guys, you know, although they may not be working a leg as far as bodybuilding, yeah. these guys are looking fantastic, man. I mean, the, you know, the abs and the show, I mean, they, they look great. And I got to give them all the credit in the world because it's definitely more competitive than it ever was because there are just so many more guys. So many more women. I mean, there was no women. I mean, hardly any. I, I will say this. As part of my experience back in those days, this took place more in the late 80s and early 90s than it did in the early 80s. But part of my experience was being around and being part of, I actually had some really enriching experiences around the advent, around the pioneers of women's bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Gladys Portuguese, the Gladys Rachel McLeishes, the yeah. K. Yeah. The Kate Baxters, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, that was, that was really something to see that coming up. And it was interesting because, you know, when I first heard about that, started learning about the female bodybuilding, my, my opinion was just about like everybody else's women with muscle. You gotta be kidding. That's disgusting. I, I would never be attracted to that. Well, 
I thought I would never be attracted until I got around it. Yeah. And then regular women would never do. Right, you look at Rachel McLeish. She was like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Absolutely. Gladys Portuguese, Mary Roberts. I mean, these were extraordinary women that were indeed pioneers. I had an opportunity to compete in the World Mixed Paris Championship up in Toronto with Gladys. And spending, you know, several months prior to the event, putting together a routine, training together, uh, and then ultimately going and competing and having opportunities to be around uh, all these other women. It, it truly changed uh, my my opinion about women. And, and it was difficult because this now was my new model of what femininity should be. And uh, so it was hard. You know, it changed you forever. Woman it changed among you forever. normal women. Yeah, it changed you forever. <laughs> yeah. And ju- just for, it forever. Just for those listeners that don't know that does, that really don't know who Gladys Portuguese is, she was actually married to Jean Claude Van Damme back then. Uh, yes, she was. Yeah, uh, until, yeah. until certain incidents happened, and we're not going to talk about it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but but things did happen, and you know, and I know. So now we move yep. forward. <laughs> now we move Absolutely. Forward. So um, yeah, it was you know it was a great era, no yeah. question. So so now, but what what got you? I mean, you were you were competing, and you were you were you were traveling around and and doing that stuff. How did it feel? <laughs> When you won your 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 Miss America title, because right now you know you you have all these you know competitions going on, and you have promoters that are just having you know events. I mean, I mean, obviously these events make money. I'm I'm you don't need to say anything. I'm saying it. You have promoters that are throwing events to make money. I get it. That's why you're a promoter to make money. However. You know, when you're talking about titles, when you're talking about titles, Miss America, Mister Universe, Mister Olympia, and if you're winning it, you're going to win the Night of the Champions. There you go. Those are the titles that are highly coveted. The other ones are there, but these are highly coveted. So, how did it feel Absolutely. to win that Miss that Miss America crown? Well, it's so interesting, uh, and, and this goes right to, and I'll, I'll weave it in there a little bit with your permission, it goes right to, uh, you know, everything else I teach today in the realm of uh, us, all of us, you, me, and everyone on uh, listening to this broadcast and beyond, uh, our ability to be able to achieve what it is we want, providing first we decide what it is we want. We have to set a goal. We have to create an outcome, a desired outcome, and then we have to find the will, the strength of will to take the consistent action to make it happen, uh, and that starts with a plan. And for me, early on, when I first walked into that gym I mentioned earlier, which was because I'd been training at other gyms, uh, Iron Masters, which was like a gym next to my high school. It was okay. It was decent. But when I heard about Future Man, I rode my bicycle over there. I was probably 15 years old. I rode my bicycle over there. I walked in the first day I walked in. I wasn't even a member yet. I was just checking it out. The first day I walked in, Steve Mahalik, who was a Mr. America at the time competing with the Mr. Universe, uh, Steve died just a few years ago. Um, uh, he was there, and he was just getting ready for a competition probably a week or so out, and he had this First off, he was absolutely beyond belief for a 15-year-old kid. I've been seeing these guys in the magazines, you know, Muscle Fitness, Iron Man Magazine, and this stuff. But, but to see this guy in person was extraordinary. I don't know. Uh, Steve was probably 5'10", 230, 240 pounds at the time, and absolutely huge. And he had, you know, he was just like, like I said, dressed in, in the typical a ragtag garb from the bodybuilding gym. He had an old white beater on that was torn, sweaty. It was more gray than it was white. 
And he was being photographed for one of the magazines by a guy named Bob Gruskin, who is a legend in the, in, in the bodybuilding industry in terms of coaching and, and photography. And, uh, and I walked in, my jaw must have hit the ground, because here he's doing a lat spread, and then Steve had these massive lats, and a double bicep, muscle pose, and then just working out. I just stood there. I must have been an hour watching and being inspired. First, the first thing I said to myself, how is it possible that a human being could look like that? The next question I asked myself is, how can I look like that? And when you ask yourself the right question, you can finally ultimately come up with the right answers unless you let that little inner voice that tries to discourage you all the time from doing your best and manifesting magnificent. If you don't let that get in the way, the right question will lead to the right answer. And ultimately, that's what inspired me. So Mr. America, when I heard he was Mr. America, that almost immediately became my goal. I wanted to be Mr. America. That was it. I joined that gym the next day, puked my guts up the first workout, Went back the next day, found someone that could help mentor me because he sort of was serious. One thing led to another. It ultimately took me three years, uh, not from that point on, certainly, but it took me three years. Because I, I had a big, very negative, dark break between that moment, working out in that gym, winning some, some teenage titles, some very good high-end te teenage titles, and ultimately going dark and coming back to the sport. After I came back to the sport, it took me three tries to win the Mr. America, win the National Bodybuilding Championship. The first try, I took the third, which was a massive surprise to me. Because I was, although I was in the best shape of my life, the guys were amazing. J.J. Marks, Rich Kasparri, I mean, some of the, some of the, my contemporaries were fantastic. And on the amateur level those days, and I remember my girlfriend who, uh, who you know, uh, was out in the audience, and I remember in Long Island, I had sort of the best legs. I trained legs hard, and I had good genetics helping that out. So I had great, great legs, great separation, great shape. They were big. And I remember after the first contest, I asked her, I said, so what do you think? What do you think? And the first thing she says is, oh, my God, everybody's got legs. <laughs> I mean, <Nice>. everybody <laughs> on that stage had freaking huge muscular ripped legs. And it was like, so there goes your advantage. What she's really saying is, there goes your advantage. And uh, ultimately, I took third in that one. Uh, came back the next year, took second. The third year, Lou, was the, by far, the most difficult. And, uh, and I don't want to go too long with this, but at the same time, it's so pertinent to achieving what we want in life. This experience for me was, you know, after taking second, and third consecutively, getting back into it the next year was so difficult because the thing that I had to overcome was my own little inner voice, this own belief that you can, you can go so far, Tom, but you're really not good enough at anything, period. It didn't have to be physiology. It, had to be, it could be intelligent. It could be anything, athletics of any kind, um, to be the best to be number one. You're not good enough for that. And I still had that lingering belief from an early experience, an early childhood experience that went on for a few years. Um, I took that belief uh, with me. So when I got, you know, I know, hey, listen, the first time going into it, I was still determined to win this thing. I was at hell bent. My goal was set. Boom, I took third. And the second time, I took, and the second time, the second. But by the time I got to that third one, which is the momentum, second, third, you either win it this year or you know what? It's going to be much tougher the following year, and I couldn't muster up the belief that I could really do it, that I really could win it. And, uh, and the thing that changed that for the most part was uh, finding the right guy, honestly, 
the right guy to train with. And this is, this is part of what I write about in the seven rules of achievement, which is number one, know what your resources are because you're going to run into obstacles along the way to achieving your goal. No matter how good you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how determined you are, it's very difficult to do it alone. I had to, I called, it was three months out, I started training at four months out, and I just couldn't pull it together. My diet wasn't coming together, my training, I felt disheartened. For some reason, instead of being motivated by the past two years, I was, I was demotivated. And I called my mentor, Tony Pandolfo, who, God rest his soul, did pass, pass away a couple of years ago. What great champion bodybuilder. He owned Future Man Gym. Called him up. Hadn't seen him in a couple of years. And I said, Tony, you know where I'm at. Uh, if this is my year. If I don't win it this year, I'm in trouble. And I can't get it together, man. And he said nothing. He just period. I mean, literally nothing other than be in the gym at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And I was there. And he beat the living crap out of me, motivated me, kept me on track for the next three months, and ultimately, that's what made the difference. i got to be honest with you. I wish I could say it was my own sheer willpower and determination, but knowing what resources you need when you need them and being willing to accept help and support when you need it can make all the difference in the world. It helped me win the national championship, and to answer your question directly, it felt extraordinary to win because I've against some tough guys, man, including Mike Ashley, who took second, mm-hmm. and he was really good. He yeah. could have beat me that day. Mike Maybe Ashley, by one he, point. He, he, he was fierce, and he had that, he had that hairdo. <laughs> oh, he had the do. He had that whole, you know, that whole uh, cameo do going on. He had those abs. The abs were, I mean, he, he had epic, epic abs. I don't know if I've ever seen abs better than his in the entire sport to this day. And you mentioned you mentioned physique competitors, and you know what? I mean, of course, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really a, a tight competitive environment because how how hard is it to work on your upper body every day? <laughs> you got you got you got to squat. You got to do legs for the yeah, love of God. You know, do do a, do a leg extension, something. You have to seriously because that that brings your whole yeah, body. Yeah. And you you don't need to say anything, but I just need to say that. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, honey, listen, there's nothing more anabolic. There's not one guys, women. There's not one exercise more anabolic to the body. Yeah. Which means, first off, it means you have to go seriously catabolic. When you go catabolic, when you break the body down as much as like squats do, and I'm talking about, and Lou's talking about taking squats to failure, man, yeah. crushing yourself, killing yourself. Your whole objective should be to destroy yourself in that gym when you're doing those squats. That's what creates the anabolic response. Mm-hmm. The growth hormone, the testosterone, the response to letting your body then adapt and grow. You've got to squat. You have to. Yep, and that, that's what it's about. All right, so what we're going to do, Tom, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and what we're going to try to do, and for, for you listeners out there, uh, what we're going to try, we're going to try to periscope when we come back, and if it works, God bless us. If it doesn't work, this, this is the second time we're trying it, but we're going to get it right sooner or later. Hopefully we have the right equipment. So, Tom, hang with us, and uh, listen, hang with us. We're going to be right back after this quick break, and, uh, yeah, you know, come back, come back with us on the UCW radio show.
the UCW radio show and we're here with uh, Tom Twilliger, Mr. America. Uh, <laughs> how, how you doing again, Tom? Uh, thanks for hanging out. Um, we had to take a quick break and you know, as you know, we, we're, we're trying to periscope now and I hope that everyone can hear us. I'm hoping that we got this right. If, if you can hear Tom, please let me know. Just send me a little message here letting me know that you can hear him. Speak, Tom. Will do, absolutely. And listen, this is uh, it's fun. It's fun. You know, I mean, it's, it's fun to be involved in something that's new. Technology is changing constantly. We see it in the bodybuilding industry. We see it in the fitness industry. We see it in, in computers and marketing. I'm everywhere. And this Periscope thing is fun and exciting. But like you said, there's always glitches with new stuff. So let's hope it's working. And uh, I look forward to chatting with some people or getting some questions and uh, continuing the conversation. Yeah, it's hope- been a blast up to this point. Yeah, hope- hopefully we hopefully we can get some feedback and get some uh, interaction with uh, with with some of the the listeners. Actually, um, yeah. So I, I think you know what I I I don't think that I actually sent this to Twitter. Okay, because that's when we're going to start getting feedback. So what I'm going to do, and Tom, just bear with me, because as you said, new stuff. What I'm going to do, I'm going to stop this broadcast. I'm going to restart it. So if you're listening now, come back on in in about a second. Let me restart this so I can send it to Twitter so we can get more interaction from people. Are you good with that, Tom? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Okay, hang on. We're going to do this. I can't believe I I forgot to to, to, do one important thing I forgot to do. <laughs> well, the most important thing was to call me, and otherwise, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you got it. Don't worry about that. All right, so we're gonna do this again. All right, and I think that we're back. I think we're back. Okay, now we're live. We're back. Uh, now this time it went out to went out to Twitter. So hopefully it's gonna work now. All right, so now what we're talking about you, uh, you know, winning the Mister America title and how. 
how it felt. So maybe for the uh, the Periscope uh, viewers right now, maybe just express that again so that they can hear it. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, it was a uh, fairly long-winded answer because uh, it took me three years to specifically, I mean, it actually was well over 10 years of training and focusing on that objective after seeing Steve Mahalik, Mr. America, at age, well, I was age 15, he was competing in the Mr. Universe, and I saw him live doing a photo shoot at the gym that I had been training at, and it just inspired, I didn't think any human being could look like that, and as a 15-year-old, it inspired me, and knowing that he was a Mr. America, that almost immediately became my goal, like a, like a kid who's just learning how to drive and gets behind the wheel of a sports car or is a NASCAR fan, you know, someone who wins that Indy, man, that is the pinnacle. Yeah. And so for me, winning the Mr. America, which was an amateur title, I didn't even give a second thought that, that there's, there's bodybuilding, there's competition beyond that title, like the Mr. Olympia and the pro ranks and the Night of the Champions and things like that. I focused specifically on that objective, very focused. For almost 10 years, with a few years short break in there, it wasn't necessarily very productive, but getting back into it, it took ultimately about 10 years. Three years, however, of trying. My first year, I took third. Very encouraging. Far more encouraging than I anticipated. I did not think I would make the top ten. I was hoping. I was certainly working towards it. Um, but my, my expectation was just to get in there, try it. Let's see what this feels like. Let's see how I do against some of the top competitors in the world. Right. And then fared very well, more than I anticipated. Second year, I took second. So I had the momentum now going forward into this thing. So the third year, as I mentioned earlier, it was the most challenging by far. And the challenge I had had nothing to do with physiology, had nothing to do with, with uh, on injury. It had everything to do with mindset. Mm-hmm. My mind began to play tricks on me. My, my mind began to think, I'm not really good enough to win this thing. Right. I, I've been good enough now to, to play high and to do well. But winning it, now I've got the momentum. I might be able to do that. Is that really who I am? Am I really good enough to do this? So the mindset's playing tricks. And what happens is if you make a decision that you're not good enough, and this goes to anything and everything, guys. This has been my experience with everything I've ever done in my life, is that your mind, almost everyone, by, you know, with, with very few exceptions, everyone at some point entertains the idea that they're not good enough for whatever it is they're trying to achieve, whether it's to get into a great relationship or have a great relationship, to build massive wealth, start a business, be a bodybuilding or physique champion, no matter what it is. We entertain this idea that we're not good enough. And for me, it got hold of me. And I had to reach out and find the resources needed to get through it because I wasn't willing to quit. Quitting is not in my vocabulary. It shouldn't be in your vocabulary. Overcoming that belief, overcoming the odds should be in your vocabulary. That should be in your wheelhouse. And to do that at times, and I write about this in The Seven Rules of Achievement, my number one best-selling book, is that you have to know when to reach out and what resources to reach out to. And I was able to do that. I connected with the with an old mentor, and he helped me get through that stage and helped me push through and ultimately win it. So, but it's, it's, it's all about the mindset, Tom. It's all about the mindset. If you, ha- if you don't have the right mindset, it's hard to break through, to, to, to go beyond and break through that barrier. 
it is. I mean, that's that's as articulately put as I could ever do it because I have my moments. I, I have my moments sometimes. <laughs> you, you do, you do, and they're brilliant moments. <laughs> Indeed, man. If you don't, if you can't conquer the mindset, if you can't find the right, the ability to focus your energy. Focus your attention. Leave out all the distractions that would otherwise take you off track, just as they would have me. Then you ha- then you will never accomplish your dreams. You will never accomplish your objectives. So achieving that, Mister America, meant more, I think, than certainly winning the title, which I had been striving for for ten years. I mean, as I said when I saw Steve Mahalik, that was my goal. I was going to win the Mr. America title, no matter what. That was my objective. And it pulled me out of some pretty dark times having that goal and that objective. And, and, and Tom, but, when, all- but when, you were, when you were competing, and I just want to, just for the purpose of the, uh, the viewers here that are actually listeners, so, uh, you were competing back then. I mean, the, just 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 mention a couple of the, couple of the names that you were, com- you were competing in, at that time with and training Oh, my gosh. Well. The, my, my contemporaries back then... Was Rich Gasparri, John Natashek, J.J. Marsh, uh, Lee Labrada, Mike Christian, Gary Stridham, Matt Gary Mendenhall. Stridham. Matt Mendenhall. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, uh, you know, he passed away not too long ago, right? Oh, did, no, he still uh, Matt's, still, Matt's still around. That he lives here in Colorado. Oh, I'm, not, I'm, great. Th- I'm thinking about uh, Mike Matarazzo. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, Mike Matarazzo. What a shame. Mike was uh, still competing as an amateur after I turned pro. But holy mackerel, I did have an opportunity to compete against Mike at the Olympia. Uh, I think in '91. I think, man. Holy mackerel, that guy was impressive. Oh man. So yeah, I mean, I, my contemporaries were. So I remember taking that stage the first time mm-hmm. at the national championship for Mr. America and standing next to these guys. And in my mind, I was still this 15-year-old kid who was just like getting excited about being in a cool gym around some bodybuilders. Next thing you know, I'm standing next to Rich Gasparri and John Nanashek and, and Lee Labrada. And it just, oh, these are guys I was looking at in the magazine and admiring and thinking, holy moly. And there I was, boom, standing on stage with these guys. And fortunately for me, I had created the right mindset to feel confident up there. But what was nice about it, though, was that I still had the same excitement. Right. It was as much fun as if I was a 15-year-old kid, suddenly transported, transported into like this you know, pro bodybuilder's body and standing on stage with these contemporaries that were just extraordinary. It was exciting. It was fun. And uh, unfortunately, I was able to develop the mindset along the way with some help, with some resources, with some support to make me feel as confident as needed to be to, to ultimately uh, capture that title against some extraordinary competitors. And when you it go- is all about mindset, though, especially yeah. at that level, it's, at that level. Exactly, it is. And, you know, back then, you know, you, you were breaking through a lot of barriers and, you know, competing, even though bodybuilding was around for a little bit with, you know, with Arnold and everything, you know, pushing everything through, the, uh, the point is that everything was still evolving. Everything was still evolving in the world of bodybuilding, and because you were you were one of the smart ones that actually learned from it and cultivated your own system that that has nothing to do with bodybuilding, uh, you know, as far as that being the end all, but it was, it was just you know it, it brought you to develop your system, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping just for I'm hoping that. Um, 
that you guys that are watching on Periscope, if you can hear Tom, just please let me know because I have no way of knowing. So unless you participate, right. I don't know. We don't know. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that that you can. So if someone can just say something, that would be fantastic. Because um, we want. We For God's sake, say something, man! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're trying something new, um, and I'm I'm just hoping that it actually does um, does does work. So we don't know yet. We we will. We will. Well, I mean, this is this is the nature. And by the way, this is again. You know, good lessons in bodybuilding and in life in general. I mean, you have to try new things. If you want to be cutting edge, if you want to be the best, you have to be willing to try something new that may not be completely proven. Certainly, maybe you haven't proved it in terms of uh, using it and applying it yourself in your respect. But you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to say, hey, you know what? We tried it. It didn't work. We'll get it right next time. The first time entering that national bodybuilding championship, I was third. Very encouraging, but I didn't win. Had to go back. Had to try it again. Had to figure out what worked, what what didn't work, and then find a way to make it ultimately come together. Just as we will with this. So, if you're experimenting with technology, man, it's uh, it's a, uh, it's it's dicey these days. Yeah. It's hit and miss in many respects, is, right? I, yeah, I, I like with with what we're doing right now, Tom. You know, because I'm really wanting to to utilize this as a tool so that you know you know we can learn from it and kind of you know put it into put it into motion to actually integrate it not only into our show but into other things that other people are doing because connecting globally is a key thing at at, the, at this stage in the, uh, you know of the game you know because if you're not connecting yeah, globally absolutely. if you're not utilizing social media to do that it's it's a little difficult um but you know again I'm I'm just hoping that somebody does say something uh, so, so that I know. <laughs> that lets you know. You know. Yeah, you know, because you know what it is that this is a mobile application. So yeah. I have no control of it and I can't hear what we're doing because I have it on, on a mobile device. Yeah. You know, so. uh, and I know, I understand. I think that my wife got on, but I think she got on the computer and looked for it and looked to download it. Wasn't aware that it was actually a mobile uh, device. So probably probably wasn't able to listen at this point. I know she was uh, she was looking forward to it as well. I'm sure she would be saying something whether she's hearing us or not. But like I said, it's it's one of those things where we uh you get you give it a shot. If it doesn't work you'll learn something. Well we all will, you know. But um but you know it's 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 so much fun to do these things, especially with you Lewis, because you are you're one of these guys that's not afraid to take a chance. Not afraid to take a risk. To try something new, literally live and in the field, which we are right now. <laughs> yeah, this is. You know, I mean, seriously, and just put it into work. Hey, listen, it doesn't work. You take a little mini black eye and you get back in there and you, you keep swinging, right? I mean, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, like uh, like Rocky said, it's not about how hard you hit; it's about how hard you can get hit. Yeah. And maybe we're getting hit a little. Yeah, that's right. Well, look, I got a black eye from yesterday. Get a black eye today. That's fine. Because I, I get, see until I see until I listen to the replay. I have no clue if you if, you, if they hear me even. So, <laughs> you know. So are you still are you still recording for uh, the show? Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it, and we're you know I'm, I'm awesome. I'm hoping awesome. that uh, you know that it is uh, you know because people can replay it. So l l l now let's yep. talk about your book. You know, because uh, again the show they they'll be able to hear the show anyway. Let's talk about your book. Let's talk about what's going on and and how you actually develop all that. Well, you know the the, the book came about. A 
few years ago, and I started writing it about five years ago. It was published about two and a half, three years ago. And um, it came about primarily as uh, a desire to share, like we're doing today, with as many people as possible, some of the strategies that I've used in my own life uh, to achieve some things to Mr. America. After winning that Mr. America title, I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, manifest that into uh, enough confidence, enough energy, and enough backing to open up several athletic clubs in New York and down here in Denver, and and also do a television show on Fox Sports and that, which I did for 16 years. And I only mention those things to illustrate that with a specific strategy, and a belief in yourself, and a willingness not to take no for an answer, you can achieve just about anything. I'm in the process of achieving more today than I ever thought possible 10 years ago. And that's part of that process is that, you know, you can't see what's really possible until you climb to the summit that's directly in front of you right now. Whatever that summit is for our listeners right now, hey, guys, man, you're facing either either, uh, your first competition, your third competition, maybe you got your ass handed to you the last time, but you got to pull yourself back up and face that summit because unless you get back to that summit, you can't see what's next. You can't see what's possible. It's blocked by your own limitations. So that's something I learned along the way, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to share those things. I wanted to share the strategies I used, not only used, but learn from some of the best along the way, because quite honestly, Lou, I mean, you know, uh, uh, becoming national bodybuilding champion after coming out of a background, which we haven't talked about, which was this literally hardcore biker background, riding with some of the most hardcore uh, uh, outlaw bikers in the country for five years, being able to do that required a real shift in mindset. And I learned from some of the best, Maxwell Maltz, certainly Tony Robbins, you know, Napoleon Hill, many of the others, countless others that I read and listened to, and ultimately started changing my thinking. And I wanted to share those things. So I started writing the book after using the same tools, the same strategies with many of my clients in the personal training community. We had uh, uh, three personal training clubs here in Denver. Started working with a lot of trainers, teaching them how to put these strategies into action, which are simple, basic strategies, basic tactics. So I started writing the book based on that, the seven rules of achievement. What are those seven rules? You know them. If you're willing to apply them, and you're willing to be tenacious with your, your, your quest, man, you can achieve just about anything. Achieving that book and, and, and uh, finding the resources to be able to take it to number one on Amazon was part of that process. I wanted to prove not only to myself, to those people, but to those people I'm sharing these strategies with in the book that I can employ these same strategies and do almost anything. Getting that book to number one, getting it published, was part of that social proof, you might say. So I recommend it. Learn the rules. Apply the rules. Be tenacious. And you can achieve anything, man. Anything. Well, I mean, that's what it is. You, you, have, to, you have to want it. You have, you have to want it badly enough to want to fight for it. If, if anything worth having is worth fighting for. And, and, I, and I say this myself, Tom, and I'm sure that you, you would wind up agreeing with me, that if you're given something, as human beings, if you're given something and it doesn't cost you anything and there's no effort involved, you take it for granted. It, it's, it, it happens. You take it for granted. When you have to fight, when you have to fight for something, and when you have to go and, and claw and, 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 and kind of go and burst through adversity, burst through all that stuff to get that same thing, you appreciate it more and then you want more of it. Absolutely. 
absolutely. And I can't remember, you know, I mean, remember the original Jurassic Park. And you'll remember the scene where the scientists and some of the others that were on the island just seeing this for the first time. They were in their little Mercedes-Benz SUVs, and they came across the big fence, and behind the fence was a tethered goat, if you remember that scene. And, and the scientist, the head scientist, I can't remember the actor's name, said, what's that for? And, they, and the curator said, oh, that's to feed the T-Rex. And he says, the T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. It wants to hunt. And it's the same with men. It's the same with all of us. As human beings, we have to hunt. We have to achieve. We have to strive. If we're given, you're absolutely right. We take advantage of it. If we're given, we don't appreciate it. If we're given, we become weaker. Our will, our drive diminishes as opposed to get stronger, man. This is part of the problem with, uh, you know, I mean... Uh, with, with so many social services out there today, we're creating a society of weak, unwilled individuals that don't know what it's like to work and strive, and we need to do that, man. Don't, listen, listeners, do not take the shortcuts. The shortcuts will weaken your will. Find a way to make it harder, and then toughen yourself along the way, and then nothing can stop you. Yeah, I mean, there's an entitlement issue where people think that they're entitled to something. Uh, you're yeah. America. You think you're entitled to have everything, all the benefits. No, you know you're here because you have freedom, and freedom, you know, costs. But you know what? Take advantage of it and go out and, and make your bones and do what you need to do to achieve something. No one's going to give it to you, and if they do give Absolutely. it to you, you're not, not going to appreciate it anyway. You know, no, go fight for not. it. I mean, I, I'd rather fight for it. Absolutely, and uh, you know, it's just about everything I've I've had to achieve, I had to fight for. No question. And listen, part of that fight is again with your own internal dialogue. It's with that default mode that sends uh, to uh, have us believe that we're not good enough, that we're not capable or worthy, for that matter. And fighting that feeling, fighting that deep belief along the way, is part of that battle. But if you're not striving for something you know, that you want a goal, an objective, then you never get a chance to really exercise that and change that default mode along the way. It just doesn't happen by itself. Yeah, I agree. And then I think that, you know, for any listeners out there, you know, if you if you want to change something in your life, if you want to change how you see things, how you perceive things, how you want to actually, you know, better yourself, you know, definitely, you know, look and, and find Tom Terwilliger's book. Find it. You know, I mean, this guy is an achievement mentor. He he is, you know, if you wanted to listen to someone, okay, you, you, I'd rather listen to someone that has overcome adversity than someone that just goes and, and uh, throws out motivational quotes on social media. Okay, I'd rather go and learn from someone that actually have, that has broken through adversity to achieve something great. Because there's nothing better than that, Tom. There's nothing better than that. Absolutely. There's something to be learned for, from anyone, um, for that matter. In fact, many of the many of the tools and strategies I teach in the Seven Rules of Achievement and many of my other programs, like the Inner Game of Confidence and Experience to Leap, uh, the Epic Men Mastermind. I mean, a lot of the tools and the strategies and the techniques that we teach in there, and the lifestyle principles that we teach in there, could be taught by anyone and are being taught by by several others. And so you can learn from them, but at the same time. Uh, there's a congruence with, at least for me, and I, and I totally get what you're saying, Lewis, that, is that there's a congruence with, there's a, there's an ability to accept on a different level 
what someone is sharing with you, if they've used it in our own lives, like you said, to overcome adversity, to beat the odds, and to achieve something that they might never have achieved otherwise. So we listen deeper. We listen more intently. We get it. I, I've heard the same message for the most part, you know, set goals, know why you want to achieve what you want, know the direction you want to create a map. Well, hold it. I've, I've, I've certainly listened to and heard from countless individuals, but there are only a few that really resonated with me, so I got the message finally. Oh, man, I've heard this several times, but I get it now. I understand it now. I can employ it now because it was on a deeper level, man. So perhaps I'll resonate with some of you folks out there, some of you guys out there, some of you ladies out there, and uh, and I would be honored. I would certainly be honored if, if you would pick up a copy of Seven Rules of Achievement. You can certainly find it on Amazon, or you can go to maxmindset.com. That's my website, and check out other things we're doing, and certainly leave a comment, and let's, let's get into a conversation. I would be honored by that. I think that, you know, any listener out there, again, any any of you guys out there that want to be inspired, that you need them, sometimes people need that something extra. You need that something to motivate you to want more, okay? You know, if you wanted that, you know, pick up Seven Rules of Achievement, okay, and, and check it out. And you trust me, you're not going to be disappointed because, you know, I don't recommend a lot of things on my show or on social media, only things that I believe in, okay? And seven rules of achievement, this is something that I, I believe could help you. So if I believe that, Thank you. hopefully that you believe that too. And <laughs> <laughs> well, they should because you're a man to be admired. You're doing a lot. Like I said, you know, one of the things I respect so much about you, Lewis, that you're out there doing it. You're in the field, man. You're sharing, and you have the guts. To do something like we did today, oh, which yeah. was just get in. Don't script it out. Don't write any questions out. Let's uh, let's just have some fun, run with it, and it, uh, it takes a little takes a little courage, it takes some experience. Yeah. You know, you don't want to always just, you don't want to jump in a pool without any experience on how to swim. I mean, you you might just sink. Yeah, you know? yeah true, true. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you know, you do a little due diligence, and then you just you know one of the things that I learned early on too, and you know this as well, is that. Um, and this, and I believe I learned this from Napoleon Hill, reading many of uh, you know his his um, his work, you know, in in terms of uh, learning from some of the best and most successful people of that era, was that really successful people, and this doesn't necessarily just lend itself to financially successful, but successful in life and whatever way you see yourself and want to achieve in your life, is that they're decisive. Mm -hmm. They take action. They will do some due diligence. Obviously, they need to know an investment they're getting into. Obviously, they need to know a little about the person they're getting into a relationship with. But once they've learned what they feel is enough, and that doesn't go on indefinitely, they make a decision, and they make it quickly. And then if they have to make or change that decision, they don't do it quickly. They don't, that's they don't make a decision and change it. Make a decision and change it. No. They're slow in changing the decision because they believe, they have the confidence that the decision was the right decision in the first place. So if something's going wrong, something's not right, I'm not going to immediately change it. It's like, oh, my God, we must have blown it. We screwed it. No, they take their time. So see how you could employ that in your life as well. You know, when I, when I, dis, when I saw Steve Mahalik, Mr. America, I made a decision pretty quickly because I was already lifting, already working out, already in love with strength training and the feet. Confidence I was getting from it, but as soon as I saw Mr. America, I made a decision very quickly that I was going to do that. That I was going to create that in my life. I was going to have that in my life. 
and then followed it up with massive action on a regular basis, on a consistent basis. So make decisions quickly, take action, follow it up as quickly as possible as soon as you make that decision and solidify it in your body, solidify it in your unconscious mind so you start to move almost automatically the next few steps towards achieving that objective. But that's, that's the, the commonality, man. They all make decisions quickly. And, and that, that's what it comes down to. And you have all this stuff and all these tools, you know, are, are in your book, Seven Rules of, of Achievement. And, uh, you know, again, you know, I think it's a, it's a must-read for anyone that's looking to better themselves. Uh, now, Tom, I know that, you know, again, we, we, we did a little... Uh, we did a little experimentation today, and, I, and we still don't know if it worked or not, but we're going to find out. Um, but, you know, if you can do me a favor, if you can give your website information, your social media information, so that if any listeners are out there that may want to follow you and learn more about what you're doing, they can actually go and, and do that. I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm losing, for some reason, you're fading. I couldn't quite hear. I what said, said on that left. Well, what I was saying is that give if you can give your your website and social media information. Absolutely. Well, that's that's simple enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can go to my blog uh, at maxmindset.com. You can also look at and see what I'm doing. I love to send people here because it's a fun place, especially for bodybuilding, fitness, and athletes uh, to go to muscleandfitness.com online. Pull up the videos. And take a look at what we're doing on Max Mindset. The Max Mindset videos are really fun, great stuff. It's all related to physiology and mindset. So really great tools in there in terms of all videos. And just a lot of fun to watch them as well. Um, so MaxMindset.com, uh, my site, Muscle and Fitness Max Mindset videos. Or uh, you can even look me up, Tom Twilliger. That's T-E-R-W-I-L-L-I-G-E-R, Tom Twilliger. On Facebook, would love to connect with you, man. Let's continue the conversation. There you go, and there you have it. You know, again, another another great show, another great guest, and uh, again, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna revisit with Tom uh, down the road because he has so many amazing things go on going on, but he has so much to add to the conversation. So, Tom, you know, if it's okay with you, I want to bring you back on at some point in the near future so we can continue this conversation because you and I can speak about, you know, the, the, hey, what's happening, you know, uh, uh, day of bodybuilding. Uh, cause you know, I mean, reminiscing of, of, of those times actually could, uh, you know, give some insight to these younger guys coming up in the ranks. Absolutely. No question about it. I mean, listen, we can all learn from history. That's for sure. Especially in the early days of whatever it might be. We ignore history, man. We ignore our potential to change the future. So we've got to do that, Lou. And by the way, I want to, I want to not just as a reciprocation, but for my listeners, for, for the guys that are just kind of like learning from me, I need to interview you too, brother, because you are a mover and a shaker, and the people you know and the people you've connected with and the stuff that you're doing, it's ballsy, it's awesome, it's action-oriented, and that's everything we should all strive to be. So uh, I, I need to capture some of your sound bites as well in an interview. So let's plan that in the near Ooh, future. Ooh, okay? you're flipping the script, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll try it. We'll, maybe we'll periscope. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to we'll happen. See. We'll try. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if you're as ballsy on the 
other end of that mic. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think we 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 need we we may need a filter. I don't know. <laughs> but you no, know, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm in for it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure, man. Same Always here, Tom. is. Always is. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, again, check out Tom Terwilliger on social media, uh, on Muscle Fitness. Check out his websites. We'll have that on his page, and you'll be able to click on the links. Uh, definitely uh, pick up a book of seven, seven Rules of Achievement. Do the digital thing with your Kindle and your Apple and everything else, and make it all happen. And I want to thank you for, for tuning in. And uh, definitely, Tom, thank you for uh, for being a part of this show and and being such a good sport with our experimentation uh that we uh we did uh but for our listeners i want you to join us we're going to try we're going to we're going to try to periscope until we get it right <laughs> so our next guest hopefully they're they're as uh they're as joyous to, to to roll the dice and take a risk like we did today tom thank you again and make sure you My tune pleasure. in uh, to the next episode of the UCW Radio Show. Initiating shutdown sequence. You're listening to UCW Radio in your face. What is your major malfunction? So let it be written. So let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.